0: Good evening. The title of tonight's sermon is Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you tonight. I ask that you would accept this offering of the preached word. Lord, may you guide my mind. May you minister to this body. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At 9 a.m. on one day, March 2015, Kara and I were at a marriage seminar in Bangalore, India. I received a text message from my sister informing me that my father was in intensive care. His heart had stopped and they had revived him once. About an hour later, my father died. He lived to be 88 years old. He truly lived a full and blessed life. At the time of his death, his health had been failing over the past several months, and he had put his affairs in order. He considered one of the great accomplishments of his life to be a study on every chapter of the Bible. He concluded the final chapter and published it, six months before he died. It was as though he had finished his final work that God had given him, and he was ready to go. Even though I was mentally ready for his death, I was caught off guard by the reality of the moment, the moment that the hypothetical became reality. I will never forget the sorrow that I felt deep down in my soul, a profound sense of loss and sadness. My father and my good friend had died. The loss of a parent or a loved one is very painful. The grief is very difficult. Our loved ones have moved on and we have been left behind. This evening's text is from the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 44 and 45. Here we see Jesus preparing for his own death, and the disciples with him exhausted. Read with me Luke 22, 44 through 45. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great droplets of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. Luke shows us Jesus in the garden seeking the Father's will in prayer. His spirit and his body began the agony and anguish of offering his life as a sacrifice for mankind. I want you to see this evening that our Savior, prepared to face trials and temptations by prayer and petition to persevere in doing the will of the Father. Our Savior prepared to face trial and temptation. How? By prayer and petition. So that he would persevere in doing the will of the Father. Firstly, the point I want to make here is Jesus makes preparations for trial and execution. Jesus prepared the disciples Looking at the broader setting, the context of the events that unfolded in the final days leading up to the garden, Jesus is teaching and preaching in Jerusalem. In chapter twenty one, he issues a warning to the disciples to beware that their hearts are not overburdened. He tells the disciples to be in prayer so that they will not fall to temptation. I'm going to quickly list the events in chapter twenty two. Jesus plots or Judas plots to betray Jesus. They prepare for the Passover meal, a meal that Jesus earnestly desires to eat before he suffers. Jesus institutes the cup and the bread of the Lord's Supper. Listen to the details of the Last Supper. Jesus says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. Jesus then identifies Judas as the one who would betray him. He warns Peter that he will deny him. And the disciples, who are still not fully understanding the role of the Messiah, argue about who will be the greatest in the kingdom. All of these details are taking place in the upper room. Now, let's transition to the garden. Jesus goes to prepare himself in the garden of Gethsemane. In preparation for the cross, Jesus withdraws by himself to have time with the Father. The gospel of Luke gives us Just basic details. If you combine all the other gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and John, you can more fully understand the scene in the garden. Luke is specifically concerned about what Jesus is going through in the garden. Jesus is preparing for the cross by looking directly into the cup of God's wrath. He faced such anguish that an angel came and ministered to him. In the Old Testament and in the book of Revelation, we hear more about the cup of wrath. It's a picture of God's judgment. Now, I want us all to have a clear biblical understanding of God's judgment. God's judgment against sin and sinners will fully satisfy the honor of God's glory. It is in God's righteous character to judge the world of sin. His judgment will reveal the character of everyone and punish everyone according to their sins. We know that God is a just God. how can we reconcile that he is also a good God? Let's look at Revelation 19, 1 and 2. It reads, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God for his judgments are true and just for he has judged the great prostitute, has corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged her the blood of his servants. God's judgment is true and just. God's wrath is pure and always directed against evil. He hates every act of injustice. He is never indifferent or apathetic when wrongs have been committed. This justice is good. We want, in fact, we need a moral and righteous God who hates sin and punishes evil. We want to worship the one who rights the wrongs of the world. Judgment against evil is a good thing. The problem is that God's judgment includes all of creation. That includes you and me. We haven't just made a few mistakes. We are sinful in our nature, and our rebellion against God is like holding our fists up against God in rebellion. Apart from Christ, we are objects of God's wrath. Why is it important that Jesus know the heights and the depths and the details of God's judgment? Jesus went to the cross with a clear picture of the cup of God's wrath. He knowingly and willfully offered his life. He is the perfect man. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Can you imagine the anger of God against the wickedness of this world? His anger burns against sinful men. I cannot overstate this. His anger burns against sinful men. The justice and punishment deserved is greater than our minds can comprehend. Only Jesus, the creator who came down to his creation, who was fully man, fully God, was competent and capable. He was the only one worthy, worthy to take upon himself the penalty of our sin. I want everyone to hear this correctly my next statement. Our salvation is a salvation according to work. It's not according to our work. The work of salvation, which it was accomplished, can only be accomplished by the God-man, Jesus Christ himself. God's judgment was not forgotten. It was not ignored. It was fully satisfied. Christ has paid it all. He has paid for the sins of all believers It is impossible for man to earn eternal life, but rather what Christ has earned, we receive as a gift. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is the truth of Romans 6.23. Our second point tonight. Jesus petitions for strength and faithfulness in the face of temptation. Jesus deeply understood the wrath of God against sinful man. His entire being was in agony. Luke gives us forensic details about the physical state that Jesus is in. Luke is emphasizing that Christ is under immense stress. So much so that his sweat is like droplets of blood. The greater he experienced agony, the more intense his, pure, his prayer for strength and faithfulness becomes. Here, in this phrase, his sweat became like droplets of blood falling to the ground. This imagery catapulted me back into redemptive history. We see that what started as a curse in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 3.19, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return this curse begins to be undone at the garden of gethsemane luke 22:44 and being in agony he prayed more earnestly and the sweat became like droplets of blood falling to the ground though or through christ's agony and anguish by his work and by his blood the curse will be undone jesus is giving us the protocol for facing trial and temptation Earlier in Luke 21, he warns the disciples to to be on their guard, to be alert at all times, praying that they would have strength. Jesus knows the weakness of the flesh and the necessity of fellowship with the Father in prayer during the times of trial and temptation. Christian, if you find yourself in personal agony and temptation, go to God in prayer. He will minister to your spirit. And he will give you strength. James writes, James writes, If is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Our third point this evening is Jesus perseveres in fulfilling the will of the Father and the salvation of sinners. Jesus himself communed with the Father in prayers so that he would know the will of the Father, and that the Father would delight in the obedience of the Son. Jesus was strengthened. With the Jesus was strengthened by the Father. The will of the Father is for Jesus to suffer and die. Here in the garden we see the beginning of Jesus' perseverance through the weekend of the crucifixion. He submits to the will of the Father. His obedience begins in the garden and carries on through the cross. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to face many trials. They were going to need God's strength. They would need the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be a bold witness of the glorious work that Christ would accomplish. In this same way, what Christ instructed the disciples can be applied to us. We are going to need God's strength to face many trials and temptations. In conclusion for this evening, on May 27, 2015, a full six days since I had received word of my father's passing, I was standing in the funeral home for visitation. I have no idea where the tradition comes from in America uh, for viewing the body and then having the funeral. But I walked up to my father's body and I put my hand on his chest. And I noticed that he did not have a Parker pen in his pocket. That is just not like my dad and that would just not be okay. He was famous for Parker pens. He had a ballpoint pen in his pocket every day of his life that that I knew him. I was uh, compelled to carefully place a Parker pen in his top right pocket. In faith, I recall that when that happened, I have a Savior. As I was touching my dad, putting that pen in his pocket, it's the Lord brought to mind that he is a Savior who sympathizes with our weakness and calls us to draw near to the throne of grace and to receive mercy in our hour of need. I needed comfort in my time of grief, and I was exhausted of much sorrow. As I prayed in that moment, the Lord continued to remind me of the promises of Jesus and the promises of the gospel. There is a day coming soon when there will be no sorrow, and the dead in Christ will rise. We can declare, death, where is your sting? Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Everything in Christianity hangs on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven to be seated at the throne of glory. In this passage, Jesus prepares himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, not only to face the trials and execution of men, but to drink Every drop of the cup of God's wrath. Church, we are a living testimony of the accomplishment of the work of Jesus Christ. Today we are, we gathered to sing and to praise to our God. We heard a sermon from Josh about how God chooses to accomplish his will through our weakness and his power. We celebrated the Lord's table and remembered the body that he gave for us and the cup of the new covenant. We are called to go to God in prayer and to rely on his strength. For unbelievers who are full of sorrow and suffering, I offer you this good news. Jesus understands your agony. He is a man familiar with sorrow. Call on his name in faith and repentance, and he will forgive your sins and redeem your soul. You can intimately know him and love him forever. Luke teaches in his gospel that Jesus Christ is the perfect man who was sent by God and is God. That he alone has solved the problem of sin, he has provided a way of salvation by faith. One of my favorite hymns, Jesus Paid It All, goes like this. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all.